I'm not going to use names, but I had the opportunity to sleep with somebody who is uh, famous and super hot and um, that I'm definitely, I was definitely attracted to, um, but I didn't have sex with him because it just felt weird because it would be, it would be like a one night stand, right? And it would be super meaningful to me and not at all to him. And I didn't think that I could deal with that, um, that imbalance. So I didn't do it. And a couple of people were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Welcome to Deviate with Rolf Potts, where I talk with experts, public figures, and interesting people about fascinating topics that meander off topic. I'm Rolf Potts, travel writer, author, teacher, and now podcaster. Today I talk with author and book critic Jessa Crispin, whose public intellectual podcast is far more cerebral than the one you're listening to right now, which only made it more delightful when Jessa decided to talk with me not about heavy intellectual matters, but about her fixation with actor Keanu Reeves. I know it sounds like a silly topic, but we actually dug into some really interesting issues about how celebrities serve our imaginations from a very young age, and how this never really stops, even in adulthood. Now, since Jessa and I are old friends, we decided to conduct our conversation while day drinking in her house in Kansas City, where she moved recently after stints in Berlin and New York. She's the one having Prosecco. I'm the one drinking bourbon in a squeaky chair. This was actually the first interview I recorded for DV8 earlier this fall. And what I love about this conversation is that it takes a seemingly absurd topic, that is Jessa's fixation with a very specific movie star, and circles around that topic again and again and again and again until it starts to feel a lot less absurd and a lot more universal to how we all use our creative imagination to make sense of the world through specific famous people. Seriously, this interview is very weird and a lot of fun. For details on what we discuss from minute to minute, check out the show notes at rolfpotts.com deviate. All right, here's Jessa Crispin holding forth on the glories of Keanu Reeves. If you met Keanu Reeves, what would you say to him? I would. I doubt I would be able to speak. Are you, are you, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... My friend who's obsessed with him um, doesn't have a spleen. And he also does not have a spleen. And so I said, well, that's your end. Like if you, you know, when you meet him and if you can't think of what else to say, you can say, I too have no spleen. And that, so I can't say that. So I don't have like a, a, a way in. But um, that's an ev- evidence-based, as an evidence-based <laughs> <laughs> supposition, you could say you don't have a spleen. And there's like the fact checking. I would feel bad lying to Keanu, you know. But but then maybe you could later, you know, after you're on your third glass of Prosecco, you could have a big laugh about how you faked a missing spleen to have something to talk about. But what if he never forgave me, you know? Well, actually, this is this is interesting because I think we all sort of imagine at various points in our life meeting our heroes or our on-screen crushes or whatever. I, mm-hmm. me- I remember being 19 and really being into the band U2. And I was thinking, well, what if I met U2, what would I have to offer them? Right, yeah. And I thought, and I thought well, I'm pretty good at camping. And so if I met U2, I would take them like backpacking into the mountains of Colorado and we'd go camping. I don't know if, if a rock band would want to be 
driven out into the wilderness by a super fan. <laughs> I think that's a great point. Um, <laughs> and that speaks to the 19-year-oldness of this supposition, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then also, I guess there's this New York versus LA. Like I've been, I was sitting in the Half King with a friend of mine and I saw Elizabeth Moss there. Mm -hmm. And I turned to him and I said, uh, have you seen the AMC show Mad Men? And he said, yeah, I know. Leave it. Like he didn't even want to talk about the fact that a celebrity, so there's this New Yorkness, there's this too cool for school New Yorkness yeah, yeah. of cohabitating spaces with public figures mm -hmm. that is, um, that's interesting and I guess respectful in its own way, but it's also sort of driven by cool. Anyway, that, that's an aside. There's these different strategies that we think, you know, if I did meet whoever, Scarlett Johansson or whatever, what would I say that isn't just the idiot, I've seen all your movies, you do yeah. good work. Yeah, um, big fan, big fan. Right. And so, but then there's a line, like if you, if you talked to, if you went up to Keanu and said, hey, you don't have a spleen, I don't have a spleen. Let's get together. Let's, let's, you want to have some coffee? Yeah. I mean, that's Maybe sort of stalkery. One. That's like TMI. That's like, yeah. it's clear that your relationship, it just feels like that might set off a little bit of a, of a warning signal. Plus, if I were going to lie about spleens, wouldn't I... Wouldn't it be better to say, I have two spleens, you know? <laughs> so together we, then, we're balanced. And then you could offer him one. Yeah, I don't think... <laughs> yeah. Um, I do... I have heard that he's in, into tarot. So okay. maybe I would, you know, use that somehow. I just don't think that it's going... To, I don't think it's going to happen with me and me and Keanu so, so well, especially not after recording this fucking conversation well I was gonna say let's assume that Keanu is a big fan of the deviate with Rolf Potts podcast <laughs> <laughs> and so uh uh like what would you say it might be too late too late in what in what sense uh well you sort of you've already showed your hand yeah no yeah that's what I'm saying like after this moment, I've ruined all of my chances of ever getting together with Keanu Reeves. Right. I guess. I guess it's the tarot thing. So Keanu, if you're listening, mm -hmm. um, all right. So you're offering like a complimentary reading, or no? He would have to pay me. Okay. So um, Keanu, this is you know a full price uh, tarot reading from <laughs> the woman who wrote the book on it. Yeah. Uh, and you, you should get to know her. She has two spleens, apparently. Mm -hmm. She likes Prosecco. Mm -hmm. uh, she lives in Kansas City, Missouri, at least for the time being. Yeah. So what, like, okay, let's see how much you know about Keanu, because the spleen thing is pretty, is that Wikipedia level? Does it say that he doesn't have a spleen in his Wikipedia? Uh, I don't know. I only know because um, of Jen, who's obsessed, um, she had her spleen removed um a couple of years ago and did she get it removed so she could be like keanu like as a pretext no apparently her spleen was eating her blood huh. um and destroying her red blood cells so she had to have it removed um and somewhere upon you know doing the googling of spleen removal came across the information that keanu had to have his spleen removed um so yeah I'm, I'm suspicious of that. Like somehow, air quotes, somehow she just happened to stumble upon this. Was this pre or post 
Certainly she was already um, fixated on Keanu. Sure, I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's think of let's think of three to five other opening lines with Keanu. So you're you're standing in the elevator and you turn and there's Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. And you can't use the spleen one. Right. Because he's listened to this podcast and yeah, you know he's creeped out. He, he's he's creeped out he's and on he just to thinks, me. Yeah. He thinks, oh yeah, another and probably now, um, every woman <laughs> like given the far reach of the Deviate with Rolf Potts podcast, mm-hmm. like everybody's gonna be making spleen jokes to Keanu. So let's give yeah. people a few more options. Right. I don't think that I am going to A, occupy space with Keanu Reeves, or um, B, be able to uh, speak out loud when it happens, um, and certainly not be able to um, remember a strategy that I'd put in place before. And also, you know, there's that thing of, I I believe in just leaving people alone, um, because it's weird to be be recognized and sort of made self-conscious in that way. You're just trying to be like a body on the street and do a thing. You're trying to go to the hardware store and all of a sudden now you're superstar Keanu Reeves going to the hardware store rather than just, you know, a person. Right. And it feels like Keanu probably has a lot of people like you. I do think that there's a sort of genuine love for Keanu there doesn't seem to be people who hate him in the way that say people hate George Clooney because they think he's smug or whatever you know with celebrities or or those celebrities that you love and hate at the same time and if if tragedy befell them if they're you know I guess the Brad Pitt thing is um an example of, of this where that divorce made a lot of people happy because a lot of people wanted to see Brad Pitt humiliated. I don't think anybody wants to see Keanu Reeves humiliated. And maybe it's because he comes off as so sincere in his films and everything he does. But if you kind of read, um, Twitter and comment sections and things like that about about Keanu, which I've done sometimes, um, you know, when they make an announcement that oh, they're doing another John Wick movie. So I'll read the comments on that. Um, people have a sort of very genuine feeling about um, Keanu and they want him to be happy and they wish him well. Nobody hates him. Nobody sort of, you know, in the way that a lot of celebrities are hated. I want to get back to that, but first, I'm a little worried about your Keanu elevator approach. <laughs> and I have an idea. I mean, it's sweet that you're trying to get me late, but um, <laughs> I find this a little. Well, it's probably yeah. Keanu might be a tall order. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> uh, I mean, we can work on it. Mm-hmm. And again, Keanu, if, if you're listening, you know, she's not as creepy as she might be coming off. But, <laughs> Jessa just gave me the finger. Um, so, I, I have an idea. Mm-hmm. What you could do is you could have a special note written out to Keanu. And just keep right? it in my pocket. And keep it in your pocket. And then, um, if you're in the elevator with him or you, you, you're standing at a stoplight, you go, excuse me, sir, I think you dropped this. What do you think? That's so cheesy. And then what would you, what would, would that just say? just be like my number with a heart around it. <laughs> um, with like a Lisa Frank sticker, like a sparkly unicorn. Um, 
Well, I did design a tarot deck, so I could just give him my tarot deck. I could just Ooh. have one in my purse at all times, just in case I run into Keanu Reeves and be like, here, I made this. I co-made this with my friend who's also obsessed with you. <laughs> <laughs> Call either one of us. Would be, you know, we'd, be, it, we'd be happy for each other, I think. If it was a Keanu Reeves tarot, would it be only for him? Or could you do readings for other people? No, we did a whole deck. You and your friend Jen. Yeah, no, it's not Keanu-based tarot. It's We designed a deck together. And does it have little Keanu pictures on it? No, it's not a Keanu deck. Oh, okay. I guess I, I'm confused. I just, we made a tarot deck, so I'll just keep, you know, because he's interested in tarot, I'll just keep one Okay. on me. But sure. like of the dozens of tarot decks he already has, what's going to make yours special? Ours is beautiful. Okay. But what if... It is surprising that there isn't a Keanu tarot deck because there's there's a Twin Peaks tarot deck, there's an X-Files tarot deck, you know, there's a tarot deck for everything now. It's surprising that nobody's done with, with Keanu, you know. Would you need to like license his, uh, his would you need to his permission? His <laughs> Probably. What if you had, okay, I'm not going to get on that <laughs> tangent. Like, like a cartoon character named... Keanu. Well, there was that movie, Keanu, the Key and, Pe Key and Peele. Film. Oh, I didn't see that. What was that? What was that about? Oh, it was about a, a guy who lost his cat. Okay. Was the it cat good? was named Keanu. And then they do a lot of drugs and then they hallucinate that the cat is speaking to them as Keanu and Keanu did the voice for it. Okay. So it's sort of like the, Keanu's being John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. But as a cat. Right. It sounds weird. And I feel unprofessional for not knowing any of these movies. I know. Jesus Christ. Do your homework. My, my preparation is completely in the shitter here. Okay. So you, you were talking about a YouTube video that you watch all the time. Yeah. And yeah. Which what is, is that? It's just like one, one sentence from every film that Keanu's ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like seven minutes long. It's very good. <laughs> And why do you keep watching it? Uh, he has a very sort of soothing presence, you know. Huh. Plus, it's it... either that or I'm going to watch like Penguins Falling Down or something. <laughs> I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's YouTube, so it's a sort of limited space. <laughs> so what? So what percentage of your life involves these sort of monkey brain pursuits? Because um, you're, you know, you're a book person. You're very prolific as a reader and a writer. Mm -hmm. But then, obviously, you like penguin videos and, and, yeah. and Keanu. Well, who doesn't like penguin videos? And, and, it, and it feels like there's nobody who is who is 100 pure. You know, all they do is read Proust and shit. Right. Um, and so, in the universal sense, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Get at in the universal sense, um, why do we do this? Well, we need a fantasy, right? And let's say, you know, I mean, everybody's, you know, romantically disappointed in some way. And so everybody has a fantasy version of um, who they could be with or whatever. Um, I don't know that he sort of occupies that space in my imagination as far as like, I don't have fantasies of us having long conversations and him making sweet love to me or anything like that. Um, but he's nice to look at. And he, it's, you know, it's that thing of like, um, it's a safe way of experiencing desire because it's completely implausible. So you can kind of 
have distance from your desire and have a way of understanding, okay, well, what is it about his face? What is it about his body? What is it about the way he says things that I find compelling and, um, and yeah, a way of filtering it so that you can kind of like understand what turns you on or what um, you like to see and that sort of thing. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, um, one of my obsessions is the idea that does high school and the way it frames we see the world ever end? Right. And so I wonder if there's an extent to which um, a certain kind of woman, maybe a more thoughtful or cerebral woman, will look at... Like who's going to be our 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 um, brawny counterpoint to Keanu? Who should be our who should be our hypermasculine uh, equivalent? Harrison Ford, maybe. Okay. Maybe? Okay. So this is this is my question: Is part of the appeal rooted in an adolescent idea that if Harris if a Harrison Ford equivalent and a Keanu Reeves equivalent were in your high school, mm-hmm. the Keanu would be more likely to to be open to you and to listen to you and understand you. I mean, is that part of the projection? That this is someone who will embrace um, a more thoughtful? I don't think so because, you know, that, as you know, my, my best friend in high school was the captain of the football team. So I was always kind of like, always liked the dudes. I always liked the bros. I always felt comfortable with them. Maybe because I, I was, um, I didn't worry about being attracted to them because I wasn't <laughs> um, well you were a cheerleader yeah. but is that a categorical you weren't in, in Lincoln Kansas you didn't in, in that in Lincoln Kansas you know it's there were 30 people in my uh, class somebody had somebody had to be a cheerleader you know it wasn't <laughs> like <laughs> there were six, six cheerleaders you know um, so that's one fifth of the class okay and so two fifths. I mean, if you know, if then is splitting in, into gender, that's like you know, a full third of um, of the class is a cheerleader. So you're you're Somebody's a cheerleader by it. default. Yeah. Although you know, I I guess there's this sort of metaphor when we say cheerleader, when you say when I say you were a cheerleader, then that carries its own set of assumptions. So I guess I was being a little bit. Right, but I, yeah, I think being a cheerleader in an urban area is a very different thing from being a cheerleader in a rural hmm. setting. Um, it doesn't it doesn't imply coolness and it doesn't imply um, a, attraction. It just is. Oh, this is the thing that we're doing because I took dance and so I knew how to keep time, <laughs> and that was really based the only huh. sort of um, requirement. And so you, was there an Keanu equivalent in, at Lincoln High School? That I was attracted to? No, I mean, no. Um, That's an interesting qualifier, that I was attracted to. So is, there's like an unsexy Keanu? Um, I mean, yeah, there, I mean, there were sort of like the um, cute boys, but I was never really attracted to any of them because I knew, I knew them since I was four years old. Um, and when you've seen somebody eat crayons at, in kindergarten class. It's really hard to get wet for them, you know, 10 years down the line. Here's, here's a, a thought. What if you met Keanu and you weren't attracted to him? If, there was, if you didn't achieve, if there was some sort of non-crown related 
wetness. Right. Yeah. Because I had this problem recently with someone. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, maybe that would be kind of freeing. You'd be liberated. Yeah, because there's that kind of there's that power imbalance when you desire somebody and they don't know you exist literally. Right. <laughs> Um, so there is that power imbalance of like you, you are powerless to this person because of your desire for them. Um, and so maybe being liberated from that because, uh, to find that that desire doesn't translate into the real world. Maybe that would be, maybe that would be good. Maybe I should seek him out just so I can look at his face and be like, actually, (laughs) sir, turns out you're not sexy in person. I gotta go. Yeah. Thanks, but no thanks, Mr. Reeves. (laughs) Thank you for your kind offer to fuck me, but I got to go. I got some stuff to do. But you, you'd have to, for the story, right? Then I think people would be disappointed if you were offered sex by Keanu Reeves and you just decided not to do it. No, see... Or would that be too... Would that be dehumanizing to him? It would be dehumanizing to everybody. I mean, I had... Okay, well, what, I'm not going to use names, but I had the opportunity to sleep with somebody who is uh famous and super hot and um that i'm definitely i was definitely attracted to um but i didn't have sex with him because it just felt weird because it would be it would be like a one night stand right and it would be super meaningful to me and not at all to him and i didn't think that i could deal with that um that imbalance so I didn't do it. And a couple of people are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, but yeah, it just, it didn't, it, that didn't feel appealing to me. If it were like a thing where, you know, um, no one is, a where there's no, where there's no power imbalance, where you're just sort of hanging out and that person is genuinely interested in you and not just like, yeah, okay, I guess. Um, <laughs> well, the, like you're just... here, fine. <laughs> um, then maybe, but it it was definitely like a, all right, okay, you know, we've been ha- we've been hanging out, we've had a little wine, sure, but yeah, that's that's a bad feeling, I think. Well, it feels like we've we've stumbled into a problem, which means that you probably won't have sex with Keanu Reeves. Yep, I'm even sorry. if it's on the table. Sorry, sorry darling. <laughs> because it's of not that... gonna happen. Because you would have to invest enough time. This is a weird conundrum. Uh, you would have to invest enough time with him to somehow right the power imbalance. Or unless it was one of those things of like, you know, oh, I read your book and it was amazing. You know, like oh. then that could be like a sort of um, thing. But he's not going to read my book. <laughs> well, if he did, which, which do you think he'd... Well, probably the tarot book is what he'd most likely to be to Yeah, be, but to I don't up. even like that book. So... Um, Okay, so you have Why I'm Not a Feminist, The Creative Tarot. Yeah, and I also don't like Why I'm Not You don't like any of your books? I like The Dead Ladies Project, but the other two books I'm a little iffy on. Uh, okay, well, this is we're deviating, so we can't talk about books yeah, too much. Right. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so do you think The Dead Ladies Project? So if, if that would probably be impressive because The Dead Ladies Project is a little bit more esoteric. You know, it's... It's weird. You, you have... The feminist one is very categorical, and you're going to get people who see the word feminist, right? And especially provocative title, and they're going to come to your event. The tarot one, same thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Dead Ladies Project, and um, I'm going to look this up. I, I actually came up with a better title for that after I read oh, it. Jesus Christ! <laughs> and I think 
See, this is why I think that Keanu, if he came up and started talking about the Dead Ladies Project, um, is that that would be perfect and the power of the universe would be completely righted because the title is so vague. Oh, um, my alternate title was reading books while drinking alone in drab rooms and sometimes going out for grumpy introspective walks in faraway countries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's not a very good title either. No, but it, it, it feels more accurate in, in a certain sense. But um, I think I sort of like the... Uh, having known you for a long time, I think there's a very charming part of you that's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I need a, a watermelon and some vodka. Or dinner's going to be microwave popcorn and a sausage. Yeah. Um, which came up in that book. And I don't know, maybe we can have a listener call-in thing where it's like, well, what's, what about Jess's writing appeals to you? But having known you and then having read you, there's something very endearing and funny and absolutely true. I can see you popping that microwave popcorn. Um, that's another conversation, actually. Um, maybe someday I'll invite you back. Microwave popcorn? If, if, if the metrics, audience metrics are right. Right. Um, if... but no, but to talk about travel and, and something, I mean, we've, we've corresponded quite a bit about, and I'm going on a tangent here, but about travel literature. Um, but the idea that there's just so much like your manner of travel is so different than other people. Like if you look at travel writing as a genre, um, the fact that you travel the way you do almost makes it uncomparable to someone who's far more repertorial and, and um, you know, comes from a more journalistic background and doesn't bring in a lot of history or literature or things like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, this is the Deviate with Rolf Potts podcast. I'm your host, Rolf Potts. We're supposed to be deviating and not talking about books. I'm right, here yeah. with uh, writer and Do not a feminist, Jessica Crispin. Start listening in the middle of the podcast, and that's why you have to do that. <laughs> well, I'm worried. This is, um, you ladies. Somebody and... <laughs> fell asleep and then started, you know, came back to it. I'm going to break the, the the third, fourth wall. Is that what it is? Yeah. I've had a little bit of this bourbon now, so yeah. I think I'm loosening up right. a little bit. Um, this is the first, this is the first, um, interview I've done for this podcast. And so I'm sort of, and so like, while I'm talking, I'm thinking, did it take us 20 minutes to find something juicy and interesting, right? Should, mm -hmm. should this be cut up? Um, should it be interspersed with like a bunch of Bill and Ted quotes? Maybe. So it's, it's sort of coming into being as we're going here. Or just do the, um, I'm thinking I'm back, John Wick, iconic speech. Um, okay, right. See, yeah. you get to see John Wick. I think one lesson I've learned from this interview is that if somebody says, oh, I have this tangential obsession with Keanu Reeves, then I should probably watch some more recent Keanu Reeves movies. Yeah, what was the last one that you watched? Oh, man. I mean, I've, I've probably rewatched The Matrix recently, mm. and I'm sort of with you on, you know, I think there's, there's an extent to which I watch The Matrix because it reminds me of having watched The Matrix. You know, that it reminds me of a specific time in my life. Um, I, there's, there's other movies that I rewatch, like American Beauty, and I come back to, and it's just like, why was this ever interesting? Yeah. That almost feels like it, it's its own episode of this podcast, like um, movies that are completely lost on me. Yeah. Um, I think if there's one thing to get out of this podcast is that Keanu Reeves now has his in with you, mm -hmm. which all he has to do is read The Dead Ladies Project yeah. and then strike up a conversation. Sure. And then he won't make you feel awkward with the power imbalance. And then you can have a love affair with Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Now, would that make Jen upset? No, I think we would genuinely be happy for each other if, yeah. I think. 
And if you I don't a, know, Jen might stab me. I I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you couldn't punch her in the spleen. No. Do you know where your spleen is? I have no idea. In this area somewhere? Yeah, that's, that's weird. I suddenly feel bad because I don't know where my spleen is. <laughs> your spleen is so neglected. <clears throat> um, so if you, if you did have a brief love affair, you run into Keanu Reeves, you're, you're walking down the streets of um, Jacksonville, Florida, mm -hmm. and there's Keanu Reeves, and he's here. You're Jessica Crispin, aren't you? And you're here. Well, yes, I am. And he's here. I loved... The Dead Ladies Project, and you're here, that's fantastic. I loved you in John Wick. Isn't that amazing? And mm -hmm. he's here, do you want to get out of here? So you have a weekend love affair in Jacksonville, Florida. All right. Would you take a trophy? Like a lock of his hair or something? Well, I mean, you you immediately went creepy, right? <laughs> well, that's, when I, I mean, somebody says trophy, I think serial killer. <laughs> Well, a souvenir. Actually, no, this is, again, I'm, I'm sort of um, projecting a certain objectification on you, but I think this sort of crush is sort of an objectification. You're, sure, you're no, projecting, there's a lot of projecting. Yeah. And so it could be a lock of hair. It obviously can't be a spleen. No. Like if, if you go up to somebody and say, look, this is, I had this affair with uh, Keanu Reeves and he gave me his spleen. His kidney. Yeah. Then, took uh, his kidney then you'd be busted. Yeah. Uh, would you? Take a trophy? Yeah. No. Okay. No. I probably wouldn't tell that many people either. So that means that it's possible that it's already happened. I can assure you <laughs> that it has not. This is your way. Is there something you want to share about no. you and Keanu Reeves? No. Um, no, but I don't think I would talk about it. That would feel weird and like a betrayal. It must be weird to be a celebrity in the social media age having love affairs or, I mean, is, oh, sure. is, is there a culture? I have no idea, I haven't looked at it. Is, is there a culture of hashtag I hooked up with celebrity type stuff? Yeah, and selfies when they're asleep in bed next to you. Yeah, really? there have been some incidents. Well, I know that happened. And they're like athletes who now make you sign a non-disclosure agreement when, before having sex with them. Well, I know after the Patriots won the Super Bowl a few years ago, Julius Edelman or something, some girl took a bed selfie. Yeah. Um, and I've actually, yeah, no, I've actually heard uh, celebrity, Henry Rollins, do you know Henry Rollins? Yeah, of course. Yeah, he spoke about this in a podcast interview that it just, it, the idea of that creeps him out so much that he just doesn't, that's not who he is. I don't know if he was at a previous time of his life, hook up with groupies type guy, but he, it's just. I, wasn't, I mean, that's the whole reason to be in a band at all. Of course he was that, yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> I've had groupies on my book tour, so yeah, no, it's fine. Should we talk about that? Nope. <laughs> well, actually, this is an interesting inversion because somewhere out there, um, somebody has, you are someone's Keanu. Probably not on the same level. They probably don't study videos of me, I would hope. That would be very disturbing. Um, maybe, it's distur maybe it's disturbing to him that I, that I or anybody else watches obsessively videos of him saying sentences. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, what would you tell these groupies? Actually, this might give away your secret and mm -hmm. like all your groupies um, are suddenly going to be taking notes. So, mm -hmm. uh, if somebody had their Keanu moment but it was you, mm -hmm. how, what would they do to not creep you the fuck out? Oh, they should not compliment my writing. Okay, this is good stuff. Okay. I don't like being complimented. 
<laughs> it makes okay. me uncomfortable. Okay. Huh. Maybe that's why you and I have such a contentious relationship. Maybe. Because I'm so, I'm so complimentary. <laughs> that's not any way true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so we have one don't. Says the person who texted me to let me know that he, that he doesn't think that I'm nice. But okay, yeah, anyway. Well, that's true. I mean, this is another thing. And I'm, I'm thinking out loud. This is my first podcast interview. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give the audience some context here is that you sound so nice in your um, public intellectual uh, contest. And, and just sort of feminine, for, la- for lack of a better word. Yuck. Like, like there's, there's, there's this sort of, in my mind, sort of this sardonic, gravelly gesture uh, that mm-hmm. doesn't come through in the podcast. So when I listen to this later, it'll be interesting. Does, is this, is this which, like dainty Jessa? Or is this like um, combative, tough Jessa? So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but we only have one uh, thing. Don't compliment my writing, which is weird because most people are probably, that's the point of contact. Right. That or your author photo. Uh, your, don't say that either. Your, that's, that's even weirder. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a scene in, in uh, adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. The writer gets obsessed with um, yeah. Susan Orlean's author photo. Yeah. What should they say? What is their spleen lead in with you? Oh, they should just offer to buy me a drink. Okay. Maybe you should offer to buy Keanu a drink. Oh, so one groupie uh, did say the uh, best thing, um, which he had not read my book, thank God. But what he said was he was <laughs> passing by and he looked in and he, you know, he saw the event and he said, you were dressed, the way, from the way that you dressed, I knew that you would be interesting. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm going to make out with you on the street in Berlin. Yeah. Nice. And so it happened. Yeah. Okay. That sounds cheesy to me. I liked it. Do you think he just wanders around book events and then drops that line? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Who cares, though? You know. So you're open to making out with groupies or making out with just like randoms? What's the difference? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's one interesting thing about this dynamic. Like... Okay, here's here's here you go. Mm-hmm. Who is Keanu's Keanu? Oh, well, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Do you know? Because Keanu, there's probably a normalcy to Keanu. He wakes up and it's like, oh, I'm the same asshole I was years ago. Sure. You know? And he's he knows all the actors and, and actresses and, and um, they're just normal, you know, they're colleagues. And mm-hmm. some, of, some of them are nice and some of them aren't. And some of them he's attracted to and some of them are not. So... Maybe it's a performance artist or a professional athlete or, or it's an inter- interesting to think about. Who, who do you think it would be if you had to speculate? If I had to speculate. Besides you, I mean. Well, it would be somebody older, right? I mean, if it's his Keanu, it would be somebody older. So you think age is a factor in this? Yeah, because I think these things kind of form, like we, like we said, when you're a teenager, there's some sort of root in it. As, as a teen. Mm-hmm. So it'd be somebody he was sort of fantasizing about as a teen. So I would mm. guess like a, you know, like maybe an older woman actress, Sophia Loren or, you know, whoever. So it really is. So I think I may have glossed this over that really um, it was a Bill and Ted thing initially. It was a girl watching Bill and Ted and thinking that he was super cute. Yeah. I, um, I think I've projected an adultness onto this 
and maybe a cerebralness onto this when in fact maybe it's as simple as the thing is like as a as a teenage girl i wasn't that it's not like i had like a sort of tiger beat thing um Although, you know, at that age, it was, yeah, River Phoenix, Keanu Reeves, all these sort of, you know, um, uh, pretty, pretty boys. Um, but my room wasn't filled with images of men. It was girls. I mean, it was, I had uh, pictures of Courtney Love and Tori Amos and Liz Fair. I think as a teenager, I was more... In, in Lincoln, Kansas? Yeah. How did you know about Liz Fair in Lincoln, Kansas? Um, I had a Rolling Stone subscription. Okay. Um, so it was much more about who I wanted to be than who I wanted to have sex with. I think maybe because it seemed like um, having sex was such a, a, a um, ridiculous... Like, like it, it, it was as likely to happen to me as going to the moon that... I would have sex with somebody. Um, in, in your life? Yeah. Okay. In, in the entirety of my existence, it is as likely that I will go. I would colonize Mars as I w- would have sex with somebody. Um, and so, yeah, my room was, was pictures of girls, probably to the point where my parents maybe thought that I was gay. Hmm. Um, because, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I had the sort of celebrity crush on the level that I think a lot of teen girls do. Because that thing, that's part of that is trying to imagine yourself being loved and desired in a fantasy, harmless kind of way. Um, but I was like really into queer writing from the age of 14, David Wanarowitz and, and, and uh, Paul Monette and, and so on. Um, yeah, to me, that was sort of, I I could never fantasize or think about me being desired. So it was always like something over here that was happening. Is there still a residue of that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Maybe that's at the heart of a lot of this projection is that we, none of us start as experienced lovers. Um, and so we all start as people who project yeah. And then none of us have, like, I often idealize the relationship between my grandfather and grandmother on my mom's side of the family. They were farmers together. They ran a business. Mm-hmm. They were clearly in love, but in, in just a deep bones way that doesn't exist anymore. But my grandma watched soap operas a lot, yeah. you know, guiding light and as the world turns and stuff. And so I think even though she had an enviable love, which I probably idealize in a certain sense, she was still watching stories of hypothetical love, you know, sure. and idealized love. And you and I had a conversation like a month ago or something about men who watch porn. An article, a guy who was an editor at Hustler or something back when there were still paper magazines with porn and the men who wrote in letters at the end of the day were more about the human connection. You know, that they had idealized this sexual idealization and it drew out sort of a lonely human part of them mm-hmm. um and i wonder if there's a corollary there is that we're all from a young age we're trying to navigate how to love and be loved and we project onto certain celebrities figures yeah i think that's fair um i mean i you know that's the whole sort of um 
teenage industry. Um, I think especially for girls um, of this sort of harmless um, male figure who's not super masculine. So I guess the One Direction boys. All right. Even now, outdated reference point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this this is something that occurred to me while you were talking is that the type of boys or men that tweens and adolescent girls are attracted to are sort of feminized. Yeah. But there's a very prettiness, a very sort of willowy prettiness um, that it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, and maybe it is for some girls. Right. But, um, and th- this rang, when you were talking about sort of the, the unthreatening or the sort of the safe space on which to project, and maybe even sort of an, an androgynousness, mm-hmm. is that a word? Androgyny. Uh, and androgyny to that early attraction, you know, that, that um, young people are, are navigating that. And I don't know if it's, well, I guess I'll pose the question to you. Why, why androgynous pretty boys for young girls? If, uh, presuming I'm right, but right. it just feels like gr- the, the girls who hang up posters at a certain age, they're posters of very pretty, somewhat feminized men. Mm-hmm. Because you're not you're not ready for you're not ready for cock and you're not ready for like to be choked and you're not ready you know you're not ready for a real sexuality not that real sexuality is cock and being choked but um, you know real sexuality is sometimes dark and sometimes fucked up um, and you don't you're not thinking about that you're thinking about um, holding hands and and so on and or at least I mean that's the way it. Sh- should be obviously a lot of people a lot of girls and women are introduced into sexuality through violence and violation um and that sort of sets up you know a a, a dark space um but in the in an idealized version of sexual development you start with something that's very safe and pure and then allow your sexuality to develop in, in the way that it's going to and not have that element of darkness like right away. Does John Wick have an element of darkness? Oh, super, super dark. He's, he's the manifestation of the goddess Kali. I mean, that's sort of um, one of the things I like about it. This, this destructive force and right. animal force. Um, you, you mentioned animal a couple times. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that in, 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 in this day and age, when you say I've heard that dot, 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 yeah. it could mean anything because sure. <laughs> so many things, so many people are like, yeah, that you have the movie comes out, there's the reaction to it. There's the counter reaction, the counter counter reaction, and it keeps on going. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at some point I read that one of the appeals of Halloween or Burning Man is that you can become an animal version of yourself, sure. you know, that you can become, um, feral. Yeah. Is that a sexualized thing or is it deeper than that? I think it's both. Um, obviously a lot of our animal states is filtered into our sexuality because that's the time that you can kind of go to that space. Um, but I think there's also just the, um, desire to shake off all sort of prettiness or socialization or politeness, you know. I mean, there's a possibility that I 
understand Keanu at such a degree less than you that mm -hmm. I can't even think to ask a question that's relevant because I'm not at level five of me, my Keanu appreciation. Well, that's always a problem of um, talking to somebody about their personal obsession um, is that they've obviously put in so much more time into the subject than, than you can ever because it's like a lifetime kind of thing. I mean, the, you know, you asked me what I'm obsessive about and I gave you a list, right? Because I tend to be obsessive. I'm, there are very particular people and subjects and ideas that I will spend 30 years trying to figure out. So William James, obviously, um, Wagner's wife, I'm obsessed with, and I think about too much. Is that the one that looks like you? Yeah. Um, medieval art I'm obsessed with and I think about Beerhoven films, Fincher films. Um, so it's not like I'm a, um, uh, a totally reasonable laid back person except with Keanu. It's like I also overly rewatch Zodiac and, and so on. Um, so I, I do have a sort of compulsive part of my personality. So this is interwoven with other obsessions. Yeah. And there's got to be someone who was like a Keanu obsessive who was Googling to find just a little bit more and they're listening to this and mm -hmm. it's like, this girl is so fucking amateur. Right. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I think even Jen would, would say that. Um, you know, the last podcast that I did was um, about Tori Amos and there was that level of shame of like, oh, I know this thing and I'm saying it out loud and I'm admitting that I know this very sort of... Um, uh, minor detail that she mentioned once in an interview in 1994 and I remember it you know um, and so there is that shame of like oh I should this is this is this is too much <laughs> um, this is well, disproportionate um, I think fandom becomes unfun at a certain point yeah um, that it feeds you and then you realize that the people who love the thing more than you oftentimes are not happy or healthy yeah like yeah. like i recently told you i've watched the big lebowski like god knows how many times i watched a documentary about the big lebowski called the achievers which is about lebowski fans and it really made me i mean there's a sort of a happy-go-luckiness to lebowski fandom which is part of the reason why i like it mm -hmm. it's a very funny movie but the obsessives who are winning the trivia contests sort of made my skin crawl, you yeah. know, it's just too much, is that these people don't have a healthy, healthy relationship with it. And then, like, I'm in, I'm in Kansas City right now to see the last game of the Kansas City Royals season. Um, and my fandom is very emotionally based. I, don't, I never played baseball. I, I loved baseball when I was young. Uh, but then it's the same thing. I see people um, on Royals Twitter. I mean, I don't know what you follow on Twitter. I follow Royals fans. And they make me feel better because they are more neurotic than me. They make yeah. me feel comparatively healthy. Um, so does it, A, does that make sense? And B, are you still in, in a healthy, on the, on the Keanu spectrum? Yeah, because I've never, you know, like shown up at a film premiere or something. I've never tried to place myself in his existence. I, under, I understand that it's a fantasy and that it does not in any way need to become reality. And in fact, that would maybe be not disappointing, but um, not helpful. It's helpful to have a thing that only exists in your imagination or in your head, um, as long as you're aware 
that that's what it is and never have to bring it into your real life. I think that's helpful. I think that's a kind of healthy thing to do, actually. It's when you try to drag it into reality that it goes to a weird place. So in a way, we can erase the whole idea of writing a note to drop on the floor of the elevator for Keanu because he's already served you. Right. Yeah. No, of course. Um, yeah, in the way that I don't need, um, you know, William James to be alive to have a conversation with him. Hmm. <laughs> and I do have conversations with him in my head because there's something about... Um, I've read it enough of him that I feel like I have a sense of how he thinks and it's different than the way I think. And so it, it's like a helpful construction, intellectual construction. And that's how I use it. I don't use it so much in the sexual way or a romantic, you know, a thing that a film star provides. Um, but I do think it's, it's the same function. If, if Keanu were dead, um, it, I think it would still be the same dynamic for me. So there's like a pantheon in your world. Yeah, I mean, Cary Grant, I guess, would would position would be in that position too because I've I've certainly um, obsessively watched Philadelphia Story probably more than I've even watched John Wick. I've probably seen Philadelphia Story like thirty times, um, but I think that is seen as less pathological because he's dead because there's not the risk that you're. A crazy person or a stalker or something and you're going to cut off his ear or something like that um there's no potential to cut off Cary grant's ear anymore um so yeah uh well keanu if you're listening thank you for your patience uh no i think this is interesting it's like you know at a point we're gonna have to stop talking about this but it's it's like the way Actually, I do have one more question. Okay. Is there, could Keanu be female? Like one of my favorite parts of, of your interview with Neil Pollock was, um, he's here, oh, come on, Jessa. Like you're reading this Hungarian- uh, Hungarian lesbian playwright. Lesbian playwright. And so what is, what is fun about you is that, you know, there's a relatability to your persona, but then also there's this real, like suddenly you're tweeting about 14th century Catholic mystics, mm -hmm. you know. Yet, there's sort of a normative aspect to fixating on movie stars. Mm -hmm. um, so could, could, I mean, could there be a female equivalent of, of Keanu or is this very specific to um, a straight lady part of you? No, I mean, I'm obsessed with Nina Haas, the German actress. Um, and I saw her in person. Uh, it was um at the theater and she just walked in and i was like oh my god this is nina haas and my friend was like what who <laughs> you know it this kind of this obscure german actress walks into the room and suddenly it's the only person I, that i that i see because i've thought about her a lot and i've rewatched her films a lot but that's that's more of like a um um well it doesn't have the the sexual component it's more of like, not aspirational, but there is something about like, oh, who is... You want to be them? Maybe. Because hmm. um, she has a kind of... Um, um, she's not pretty. And she's not um, glamorous. 
Um, but there's something very, there's always something very interesting about her. Um, like a composure that I wish I had. I always feel like a little bit of a um, flighty, ungrounded, uh, anxious, fidgety, you know, whatever. Um, and she has a composure to her that I'm totally lacking. <laughs> yeah, I, that makes sense. That sort of better versions of ourselves, which is also a projection. Yeah. What percentage of the Keanu thing then is sexual? 80%. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that proves my incompetence. I, we, haven't gone, we haven't done a deep dive with the sexual part. So why Keanu? Why is Keanu the sexual? Why is, it, why is the sexual component of that so strong? Um, well, I guess the animal part that we already kind of talked about, um, the way that he is in his body, um, in a way that I guess I wish I occupied my body in a similar way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, thank you for that articulate Sorry. reflection. I mean, it was well, maybe... sort of like vague, it was a vague question. Like, well, what's, what's your well, sexual attraction to Keanu? I mean, you know, look at him. Maybe that's below the surface of all of this, is that we can give a lot of lip service to obsession, mm -hmm. but... There is something very animal, you know, very visceral to this when it comes down to it. Plus, he's a Virgo, and I'm always really into Virgos, and they're never, in, they're never into me back. So that's tragic. I, I'm, I'm feeling bad about this elevator encounter. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Deviate with Rolf Potts. For more about everything that was mentioned in the interview, check out the show notes at rolfpotts.com deviate. This episode was produced by Justin Glow. Music is by my nephew, Cedar Van Tassel. Jan Futterman does the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you tune in for future episodes of Deviate with Rolf Potts. Well, I shaved my head in uh, college, but I kind of liked it. Now, you were in college for like two weeks, right? Mm -hmm, for one year. For one year. And that was at Baker mm -hmm. in Baldwin City, Kansas. Yes. And how is your... How is your... Welcome to This Is Your Life with Raw Potts, who knows all these things for some reason. I'm, I'm your Keanu spleen. <laughs> yeah. That's, can I be creepy if I've known you for nine years? Yes. Okay. <laughs>